Ralph Waldo Emerson said, In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Excellently well, man. How are you doing? The same. I am abundantly blessed and very grateful for each and every day and all that I get to do during it. I love it, man. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. How's your health, man? First of all. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Regarding the stroke, 100%. No residual. I'm doing my thing. There's no cognitive issues. I mean, if you had seen me when I had it, like this whole side of my face was drooped and I looked like I had palsy and I couldn't text and my speech was screwed up. I mean, all that's gone. The only thing that I'm dealing with, which is unrelated to the stroke, was that there's some staph infection Uh growing in my skull that antibiotics wouldn't get rid of. And I have to have surgery to get rid of that before it spreads to my brain. But that sounds worse than it is. Okay. It's an easy procedure. They basically shove a vacuum up there <laughs> and, and get it all out. So I'm going to get that done in the next couple of weeks. But I, man, I, it, health is like really like number one for me this year. Like Good. because of the network I've built and the stuff that I do, the money will always be there. I'm grateful for that. But I'm, I have to make sure that I'm here as long as possible. So just uh, sent off my DNA test to see what foods I should and shouldn't be eating. And, you know, with 23andMe, the whole health thing. And I'm strongly considering going plant-based too, you know, which is wild. But I, I've been reading about it and I know a lot of people that have done it. And so, you know, health and diet and exercise and all that good stuff are, are going to be quite paramount for me this year. So that oh. is, that's that, man. What about you? What's been going on? How are things? Dude, great. First, before we get off this topic, have you ever heard of the WALS protocol? W-A-H-L. I have not. But Terry I'm Walls. Google. She's got she's got a TED Talk, so you can, you can quickly get her spiel. Basically, she's somebody that had super degenerative progressive multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. was a neuro, you know, a genius like yourself and the doctor and all these things. And she was at the point where she just couldn't do anything. And started becoming obsessed with, you know, how can she repair? How can she like stabilize? Created this dot, you know, started started researching since it's a mitochondrial breakdown. Yep. She started researching how do I feed my mitochondria? Created, you know, found all this like 
mitochondria food and created all these supplements for herself. Once she did that, she realized she wasn't breaking down anymore, but she wasn't getting better. And then she started researching what foods are heavy with all this stuff. So, and when she implemented that, because there was some other links of things that because it has this, it must have this kind of thing that she couldn't really conceptualize. Once she implemented this protocol, she was like riding a bicycle like a month later kind of thing when she was just like not able to move around on her own before that. So it is a, it is a nutritional and you know, it's, I, I don't have to talk all about it cause I'm not the most educated person on it. My wife read the whole book because at the time when I found it, it was cause my wife was having all these health issues. We implemented it about like four or five years ago. I've never felt better in my life for the time when I was eating, you know, that way. And, and right now I'm actually, you know, we're in this, we did a one day juice cleanse on the first. And now this month is like a, a full detox and we're kind of like lightly implementing it. But I think you'll like it, man. It's part of her philosophy is the idea that there's two buckets. There is, you know, am I eating crap? One bucket. There's another bucket of, am I eating all the stuff I need to, to, to feed all the stuff that needs to get fed? Right. So like, my, because I'm not super like on emergency because of it, right? Like I don't have multiple sclerosis or like a big health scare. My idea is just like as much as like, it's, it's a lot of plant-based stuff. So I eat 80, 85% plant-based, but there's other stuff that I eat that I, you know, that anyways, I, I think you'll like it, man. Like, like, like I, 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 in, in the kick that you're in and the type of guy that you are, at least check out the TED talk and, and see if you want to go further. Cause it's, it's a dense book. Like I, there's no chance I could get through it, but my wife is nerdier than I am. So she could W A H L wall, Terry wall, Terry wall. I got her and I'm going to check her out. She might be somebody to invite onto my show too. So sure. I will sure. check that out. Thank you for that. That's uh that's right. I could have her on my show. I forgot I'm a podcaster. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Isn't that um, such a, such a liberating feeling today? You could just Google somebody and like, you know, it, when I, the day that I, I realized I wanted JJ Virgin on my show, this was like, she was my 75th episode. And when I just like reached out to JJ and said, Hey, Dr. Richard Schuster, this is my show. would love to have her on. And within like two hours, her team wrote back and like, yep, she wants to come on your show. That was like, the Neo and the Matrix moment where I realized like there is no spoon and I can I can do anything I want because you know if I had the the brand cachet to get her, I could get practically anyone, not you know, not counting Tony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey. And I'm working on those two, but that's another story. But yeah, it's it's so cool. You know, I mean like I I'm thinking about what I want to talk about at Podfest or apply to talk about at Podfest this time around. And, you know, part of me has, you know, and I think what I'm going to talk about is really how to compartmentalize, you know, what's going on in the real world and how that affects people and their mental health to being able to be focused and on it when you're with a guest and doing your podcast. I think that's probably the right talk to do right now. But there's a part of me that wants to give a talk that said everything these assholes who are telling you how to monetize your podcast are full of shit. And, and this is what you really need to do. Uh, By the way, that's my talk. So I don't want to step on your t- <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, people have such a short memory. I remember in 2000, in, in early, I think it was 2008 when the market crashed and all, everybody who was getting online advertisements, like that money just gone. 
gone. And people who made their living off of banner ad clicks, they all died. They all went out of business. And then when COVID hit, everybody that had Facebook ads, unless they were like, you know, the the top 2%, you know, they got the the funds or the uh, the ad rates went to nothing. And people have a very short memory. And in my position, I don't ever have ads on my show. I've turned down a number of opportunities. I don't, you know, the only thing that your podcast should do is give you credibility as an expert in whatever your thing is and be a foray once you build a relationship with your audience to introduce them to your brand and the other things in your brand. Everything else is just spending your your time, resources, and money on making somebody else money. And that's my feeling. So, but I decided not to Freeze, do that. brother. I decided <laughs> I decided not to, not to do that speech this year. But um, I'm going to do it. Um, first of all, I want to get to like we set this call because you're because I want to like ideate on your new content strategy thing, right? Like, yeah. but just to catch you up on me, what I've so what I do as a service, which is essentially the merger between real relationships and online content production to drive real relationships which is exactly what we're talking about here. And a podcast is a feature in that, right? Like the strategy, you know, the, the pillar strategy is everything that counts. And then the ability to repurpose it across everything is what creates the widest web. I'm now trademarking the relationship flywheel, right? Because if you, so, so, so again, to me, that's what I'm going to talk about. It's just like, dude, it's not about your fucking audience size. It's not about, you know, like whatever. It's really all about how you turn, how you're able to grow relationships how you find a way to serve the people with the keys to the doors that you want to open. Yes. Right. To me, that's yeah. everything. I mean, like case in point, I'm going to reach out to Dr. Walls after I, if I like her Ted talk, I'm not only going to give her an opportunity to present herself on my platform, but I, but through my other vehicle, I can raise funds for her Walls foundation. For sure. For sure. Effortless yeah. for me. And, and, you know, so it's all about the relationship. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I have people that I've met in podcasting that I've known for four, three, four years. They're at the top level. I've never asked them for anything. I just check in on them because I like okay. them. Yeah. But when my book comes out this year, you bet your ass that I'm sending them a copy. Hey, can I come <laughs> on your show? Can yeah. I talk about it on my show? You know, so I can't wait to hear your speech. It'll be awesome. Love yeah. that you're trademarking that shit. I think that's great. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. And and listen, to your point, I'm going to reach out to Terry Walls because at the end of the day, what you're saying is you're leading with value when you have a podcast. I'm going to reach out yeah. to Terry Walls and just be like, hey, listen, I want to have you. Your thing has made a big impact on my life. I want to have you on my podcast to talk about you. And then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of micro content to promote yourself on social media based on the positive impact that you've made on people's lives, right? Like it's, yeah. it's all value add, right? Yep. So- Cool, man. Cool. So, so end of the day, man, everything's going awesome for me, man. Like ever since, you know, I, I've got a, I got a new partner. I don't know if you ever met him at, at PodFest, Isar Matesis. He's the host of the E-Tribe. I did meet him once. You know, you, and- should, be on, you should be on his podcast for the record. I'll, 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 if you're into that, I'll introduce you. Yeah, I'm happy to be. Yeah, I met him once and I think it was in a speed networking thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'd probably he's be awesome. a really good fit for his audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Um, so I'm gonna how make did, How did you guys get together? How did that happen? J date. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> well, he is Jewish, so uh, <laughs> really? and I'm a wannabe Jew. So no, we met at Podfest. 
he had an aha moment after pod, like at PodFest, he had just started his podcast and it was just like friends and family. And then at one point he got a wild hair up his ass and he reached out to like a, a Ted speaker, not a TEDx speaker, but a Ted speaker saying, ah, Hey man, how about I have you on my podcast? And they said yes immediately. And he had this aha moment of like, Oh my God, who else has figured out the fact that if I have a podcast, I can approach people that would charge me $10,000 for a consultation or a keynote speech and just have a conversation with them. Right. And he started looking around and he realized that that's exactly what I'm doing. Like that, that I've, that I've created a business strategy that leverages that to drive revenue, right. In a, in lay in a relationships first fashion. So he reached out to me. He's like, Hey man, I want to have you on my podcast, had me on his podcast. And then right after the podcast, he's like, dude, I've been looking at how to do this right since I met you. I found five people kind of doing it. There's two other people that are somewhere close to what you're doing, but I think the way that you're doing it and his word is brilliant. He's going to say brilliant like 10 times in your podcast. And he's like, I think it's brilliant. And uh, <laughs> you got the Israeli accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so he's like, I've scaled, you know, hundred million dollar companies before I've had exits before. This is what, like, I've been waiting for my next thing. This is what I want to do. Do you want to partner and scale this shit? And let's go. So that's, that's how it happened, man. So we've been, we've been working together for the past five months on scaling this thing. We're about to boo up on a contract and go 50, 50 on all of it. So what is it going to look like? What is the offering going to look like when you guys have put it together? I'm already doing it, man. Like, I, I, you know, like the the offer of of what I do as a service, what the relationship flywheel as a service is? Yes. Okay. It is the soup to nuts strategy to turning a once a week interaction between you your clientele and a key relationship that could become a client or a validation or a referral source and all the repurposing and tying it into your CRM that tracks all back to driving revenue and and essentially creating a community around your clientele, which is what this last year, that's what I've done for my biggest client. Like we just had our fan appreciation show for the natural average investor show for JWB. And Richard, I shit you not, man, it was an hour and a half of client after client coming on and talking for five minutes about how this show has become their circle of friends and how they invested with them and started investing in rental income properties because of all the free value that we gave out. And we've set like this fourth quarter was their highest sales quarter ever. And their pipeline for next quarter is their highest pipeline ever. And this is a company that's been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal twice. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So, so mission accomplished, right? Like this is a $160 million company. I got it figured out. Uh, Price point is 7,500 bucks a month for that. Beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, I have this like client avatar that's like in the, like the 15 to $150 million kind of like yearly revenue range. If they have a high enough LTV and you know, like my, my whole thing is that I'm going to increase your LTV and I'm going to lower your CAC. Right. So if your LTV right now is more than 10 grand per client, then it's a no brainer, man. You know, because, because once it's, once it's a flywheel, like once it get, you know, the first, the first three months, this strategy basically erased like 20 hours a week from the CMOs kind of like plate of like, what content do I make? How am I going to be doing it? You know, I don't have to like keep turning on my phone and feeling like a douche or like walking around around the office. Like, Oh, you just did something good. Let me record it. They hate that. Right. Like, so within, within like two weeks, that's gone. 
Then within the end of the first quarter, we reactivated old clients that had like, hadn't been around for a while to like get back re-engage and reinvest with them. By the end of quarter two, we were already, we were already increasing their SEO to investment, you know, uh, ratio. We increased it by like two and a half percent. Like not, I'm sorry, not two and a half percent, 2.5 times. That's right? a big, big difference. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Right. So, so we increased that. We increased their total sales by 80% quarter one to quarter two during COVID. And then now, and then now, like once that happened, then it's just been like stacking and stacking and stacking. And it's just like continue, like they're now building out a full studio in their office because they're like all in on this. So, so yeah. So I think I, I think I discovered some shit, man. <laughs> I would say that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding, man. Thanks, man. Happy Thanks. for you. Thanks. Thanks. So he starts like my CTO, COO slash guy that can also host content stuff, right? I love it. Yeah, man. But I want to talk about you, brother. Tell me what are you, what, what's, what's your next, you, you know, like the message was I'm about to launch another show to go with my other business. And I was like, I want to ideate a content. <laughs> Give it to me. So the other show is going to be is going to tie into the book that I'm writing. And I'm not going to launch the show until the book is ready to come out because they're going to be a chocolate and peanut butter kind of thing. So the short story is after my stroke, when all the dust settled and I had seen oncologists and endocrinologists and every ologist imaginable because nobody can understand why a 46-year-old who didn't drink, smoke, do drugs, and was in great health had a stroke. It ultimately came down to stress because I was working 70 hours a week. And the lie that I told myself was that it's not really work because I loved what I did. I spent my whole day doing stuff like this. And the reality is work is work. If you're in front of a computer, work is work. And so he said, you know, you've got a problem. This is my neurologist because you're a workaholic, but your life depends on you radically reducing your hours. And my wife is crying. He'll never stop working. You know, we're in there. And I said, you know, I said, okay, I, I commit to working no more than 25 hours a week from here on out. And my wife was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I did it. And the, I was going to shut my laptop at 4 PM every day. I wasn't going to check my email. In fact, I took the email off my phone. So I couldn't even check my email. And I then began this and I was, you know, fearful as to how this would work, what balls are going to get dropped, but I was you know, committed to being here and not dying. And what was really interesting is that the work got done continue to get done. How is that? How is that possible? And so now the scientist in me is like, hmm, okay, let me start doing some research. And I went to the science and I went to, you know, I'm not the first person who's come up with this, but why do we work a 40 hour work week in this country? The answer is for the same reason that hamburger is considered lunch or dinner, but sausage and pancakes is breakfast. That's how it's always been. That's right. <laughs> and, but what the research actually shows is that we're more productive at 25 hours, and there's a drop-off as we approach 40 and beyond. So then I started having this realization as I was doing this work, and I was prioritizing, and I was taking on less things and saying no to more things, and all the major stuff I had to get done got done. No balls got dropped. Nobody got pissed off at me because I wasn't doing things on time. And I was like, holy crap. Well, wait a minute. I have a technology company that has tools that assess work-life balance. That's what they do. 
And so the idea that popped into my head was twofold. One, to have a show and essentially about the balanced business. I'm not going to call it that because it reminds me for whatever reason of the galloping gourmet, but I it will be like a show for entrepreneurs about managing their time and without reducing productivity or, or revenue. Because I, I feel very called to that as an entrepreneur. What could you do with 15 more hours in your week? Think about how much more time you could spend with your loved ones, pursuing hobbies, eating right, exercising, all of these things. And so what I'm in the process of doing right now is looking for companies that want to be my research participants and be featured in my book. I'm going to give them my corporate tool on work-life balance and my consumer tool, the power is the one you took, for free. I'm going to have them track their hours for 30 days, working as usual. The next 30 days, there are no restrictions or limitations of any kind on their workload. If they can get their work done in five hours a week, cool. If they can do it. And I'm not, I'm not putting anybody in a box. They just have to track their hours and track their productivity. And on the back end, they're going to take my tools again to see if there's been any change in the work-life balance. I'm going to put all that research together in a book with my story as well as factionable, excuse me, actionable science-based tools and strategies to be more efficient, effective, and have more balance. The end goal with this is to create a certification program so that companies now can be an employee-friendly workplace where they're they can rest assured that their employees can work fewer hours, be happier, healthier, and more productive without any dip in revenue for the company. So I see this, I've always wanted to write a book and I've tried before and I stopped because I felt like this wasn't the book that I was meant to write. This book is my culture changing book and I can do what Hal Elrod did and write a version of this book for real estate and a version of this book for lawyers and a version of this book for every vertical you can imagine. Tie it in with my tools and then tie a podcast around that because what's happened to the daily helping is that somehow the show has kind of morphed into sometimes inspirational, sometimes leadership, sometimes business driven. I want to bring it more back to its roots and do more of the inspirational type of stuff that people who like climb Mount Everest with one lung while battling cancer and move more of the entrepreneurial stuff to the new show. So that's one of my major goals for this year. The the next piece of this, the next thing what I'm what I'm excited about right now is that I found out by accident and it was it was never on my radar. Somebody took powers and they're like this is really cool. I've got a friend with a nonprofit. What if you set up the affiliate as a nonprofit and shared the money with them and raised money for their charity? And it was like holy really? crap. And so I've been putting a lot of effort into running these cause marketing campaigns for nonprofits. It's wonderful. It's win-win for them. The donor gets something cool, not just a tote bag or Girl Scout cookies. The nonprofit makes money without risking anything. The person who referred me to the nonprofit makes money for doing nothing but making an introduction. And it's win-win-win. So I'm, I'm heavily, heavily focused on that right now, as well as getting some, some grants for some of my yeah. other products and, and trauma and substance abuse. So it's busy over here, but I'm really only working on three things. And, you know, 
the laptop will get closed in three and a half hours and then it's it's wife and family time and I feel remarkably grateful, balanced, and at peace right now. I love it, man. I think it's number one. That book is a book that the world needs. Meow. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right. I want you to understand that I could spend 20 minutes flattering you on everything that you just said because I think it's all super brilliant, but I'm so ready to vomit ideas <laughs> if you're if if you're up for it. Ready? Vomit them. Let's let's do let's, let's go. do this. I see a I see a beautiful intersection in everything that you're doing. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of say my assumptions right now. My assumptions because you mentioned the miracle morning, you already know that Hal Elrod sold that book by interviewing people that have taken the miracle morning on his podcast and that's yep. how it became this big thing, right? Yep. So you, you already intuitively get that piece. Yes. So I have to assume that you're already thinking that if you can already be interviewing heads of HR for big companies that are driving these like growth, you know, these like work-life balance programs at Fortune 500 or whoever has that title, that's going to feed data to your book slash connections for you to sell it all the way around, right? Like sell the whole thing and like, and like get people in. You're already thinking on that path? I am. Okay, good. Next step, I would say, is that people on the boards of nonprofits are generally business owners, the higher up you go in in nonprofit world. And I know that you're operating at a high level of nonprofit. Have you already thought strategy of prioritizing people on boards of nonprofits that also have socially responsible companies that may have this person within the, you know, like walking into the door of nonprofits based on interviewing somebody on their board that has something to do with what you're offering in the book on the back end and being able to cross pollinate all that stuff? I have. In fact, one of the things I'm doing as well is that any nonprofit that participates in this will get for life half off any of our other tools to help their nonprofit be better and yeah. run better. Yeah. And so, you know, that those would extend to the board as well. So there's cross pollination has, has always been on my brain. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So you're, and I'm saying you're cross pollinating both your existing product that you're driving for nonprofit plus your future product. Correct. Okay, cool. Good. So that's already, that's normally my fastball that most people don't think about, right? Cool, man. All right. What about how is your content repurposing game going? Like, are you, are you, are you driving this down the path of we're not just going to have this conversation and it's going to be on the podcast, but it's also going to create for you, you know, little three minute LinkedIn business card for you that will talk about certain things that you want to share on LinkedIn for yourself, not just to promote the podcast, but may end up being you know, the thing that you highlight on your LinkedIn story, because I'm ta- I'm talking to you about your why and whatever. And if I can, if I can take that out, that creates like a major validation that you got to say your impassioned why on like a branded show. Are you, are you driving that angle as well? I'm not, but I'm typing that up. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So like for me, the big, the idea that you're creating micro pieces for people to introduce themselves with to other people that have nothing to do with you, like that is a beautiful, beautiful way to like grow legs behind what you're doing, right? Like that, that's one of the key themes of what we're doing in the Natural Average Investor Show. It's this whole like, bro, you've never had something about you that, you know, like, for example, me, 
Esar's interview of me, my on his podcast, before I take a meeting with somebody that like is like kind of knows what I'm up to and and I and we're taking like a potential client thing, I send them an email saying, Hey, have you have you or your company been on a piece of content that I can watch or listen to so I can get to know it before we hop on our call? Oh, by the way, here's mine. And I send him the podcast of Esar that he's like gushing all over everything I'm doing and recontextualizing and explaining it really, really well. And it serves as this like warm up piece. So every time, so now every time I like go to position somebody for one of my clients' shows, I'm telling them you're going to be able to use this for that as well. And it's not just a podcast. You're also going to get like, you know, five quote cards and like six to eight, two to three minute videos for Facebook and LinkedIn that you can also use. And they get like really jacked up about the idea that, oh, this is for me. You know what I mean? So that being said, I could also show you real quick what that flow that I've created so that it's not just you looking over stuff and editing and I can teach you how to build a team around you know, like passing it off kind of thing and you only being like the content producer and and how to create that framework so that it is modular and systemized and scalable as well. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.